Welcome to another episode of the most overrated, underappreciated, most watched, underwatched podcast of all time. Welcome to the Prince of Fresh Air. That's right. Back with another controversial topic. And I am guess you're wondering, why is he talking about money? Why is he talking about that paper, that moolah, those dead presidents, that green, that paper? Well, I was watching the DJ Vlad video with legendary rapper Lord Jamar. And they kind of started talking about money. And the reason why they was talking about money was they was talking about how in acting and in certain reality TV shows, if not all of them, that people will do anything for money. And it got me thinking, you know, why is money the most evil thing in this world? And why do people think money is more important than happiness? And why people think that they have to live above their means and, and do all this, uh, do anything they can to attain such a, a paperweight? And we're going to get into that. You know, the biggest problem I have with money is that it has created this kind of vulture culture. This this perspective and idea that a lot of people are trying to chase, uh, becoming overnight celebrities, uh, and it's one of those things where you're seeing it more more now than ever, where everybody's trying to become an Instagram famous star, a YouTube famous star, or you know they're trying to find ways to you know get their face out there to you know achieve this level of fame and success that they always wanted, and you know I would never knock you know, someone's, you know, dreams and aspirations. But a lot of this just reeks of desperation, you know, because people see these lavish lifestyles on Instagram and and TV. And so now they want to achieve that too. They want to, they want to experience that. And that's completely fine. I think we all want to bet ourselves to have, you know, better means of financial reward. But now we're, we're seeing this, especially uh, in the media. And in different industries. And the reason why I say that is uh, I was talking to a celebrity in his own right. Uh, I won't mention his name, uh, you know, just, you know, for confidentiality purposes. But, you know, we was talking a couple months ago uh, because I was a huge fan of the show he was in. And I asked him, I said, you know, why you disappeared from the show? You know, I haven't seen you in the last like season or two. And the one thing he mentioned was, you know, uh, nowadays, uh, a lot of um, shows aren't looking for talented people anymore. You know, they're looking for, you know, people who have a huge following, you know, who has some type of social media presence because it'll draw more views, which means they'll make more money for them. And, you know, understand from a, a network perspective, you know, they got to care about their bottom line. But now... Uh, you're seeing that, you know, people who spend so much time on their craft, you know, going to class, going to school and, you know, trying to study and learn, uh, they're getting overlooked for people like, you know, bad baby, for instance, who went on Dr. Phil and acting like an idiot. And look at her now. She's a a famous, quote unquote, rap artist. And, you know, she's She's in the, the mix with all these big profile rappers. And I'm sure she's living very large and she's having a good, you know, good time. And, and that's not a knock on her. I would never, you know, tell someone that, you know, their success is a problem. But you're seeing a, a evident growth and 
and uh, a demand that you have to have a big following count. And so people are buying fake followers, buying, you know, fake uh, listens and, you know, and all this nonsense. And it, it's become such a, a terrible uh, competition, this, this, this idea that you have to, you know, be a celebrity to be a star in order to live life. Reality TV shows is the biggest culprit of them all. Uh, and I was watch so I was watching a DJ Vlad video, and Lord Jamar had mentioned that you know he's someone who started dabbling his foot in TV and a few reality shows. And one of the biggest things he said was that you know you're seeing an increased amount of people being desperate, so they're doing anything and everything they can for you know reality TV shows and and TV shows, um, just trying to do anything and everything they can to achieve and pursue this idea of, of of fame and money. And so, you know, one of the big examples I'm going to use is a show called Flavor of Love. If you don't know what Flavor of Love is, you're missing out. And let me tell you, you're about to hit it straight from the source. Reality shows is <gasps> scripted. That's right. You heard it. You heard it straight from me. And, you know, a lot of people might not know that. Some people do. Um, but reality shows is scripted for entertainment. You know, you think a lot of these celebrities and, you know, people joining these casts are doing it, you know, for the, the drama and, and you know, and, and all this nonsense. No, they, you know, a lot of times they're just doing it for exposure and money. And so Flavor of Love, if you never heard of it, it's a show from like 15 years ago. It was a show that was airing on VHL when I was in like elementary school. And so Flavor of Love followed public enemy rapper Flavor Flav. And by all accounts, one of the most ugliest people you ever see in your life. And that's not a joke. If you don't believe me, look him up. You will be horrified. And you'll be like, really? This guy? This guy? Luckily, he had money. Um, but anyway, so this show was basically he was following. It was following him. And it was 20 women that he's going to choose one out of. Uh, he's going to choose one out of the 20 women to be the love of his life. You know, obviously, I mean, it's a reality show. Most reality shows follow this format. But the one thing that stuck out to me the most was how the women were portrayed in the show, very just like disgusting. And so it was very contrived. A lot of the plots were obviously just, you know, you can tell were just done for shock value and for all this other garbage. But it was just the portrayal of women in the show. And it's one of those things where, you know, a lot of people were going to say, yeah, well, they knew what they would get into and stuff like that. But it was just disgusting to see, you know, how they portrayed, you know, mostly women of color, you know, they were loud mouth, uh, you know, everything was hanging out, you know, uh, they didn't really take care of themselves, you know, everything. They, they had these abrasive attitudes and abrasive uh, personalities and it was just a disgusting portrayal of women. But it's one of those things where you watch these shows, you're like, man, the things that people would do just to, you know, get their face their face out there in front of the media is absolutely insane. And you know, I it's not one it's not a thing I'm gonna knock someone for going out, you know, get that money. But it's a big problem. You know, people are doing these. Absolutely stupid shows. Uh, most reality shows are absolutely just, 
it's it's just cringeworthy, and it's becoming popular for people just to do these shows for the money. And you can just see the desperation that just reeks off the camera, where you know people are honestly just in it for the free trips, for the money, and for fame and exposure. Because a lot of times, uh, depending on the success of the show, almost everybody in the show blows up. Sometimes more often, one or two people than not. You know, in my early days as an actor, uh, when I was still in college, you know, I, I did some background for TV shows, reality shows, and a couple movies. And, you know, during that time, I was fortunate enough to get called in for, you know, some reality shows that I applied for. And so, you know, when you first get it, you know, you think, oh, yes, this could be my big break. This could what I'd be waiting for. And, and, you know, obviously, when you go in, you are absolutely shocked. And I will say uh, that it is probably the most frustrating, annoying uh the heartbreaking thing I've ever had to deal with. Worst cast call I've ever been on. And if you've ever been to one, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because it's not like a TV or a movie audition where, you know, the director wants to get you to know you personally. And it's a very selective pool of people. Yes, they might see, you know, a lot of people. But the difference is like reality TV shows. I mean, think about this. There's over a thousand people trying to be seen and you're squeezed in a small room and it's hot. And especially if you're coming from a major city like L.A. or New York, where the weather can be brutal sometimes. Imagine be stuck in a room with a bunch of egos and, you know, people being tryhards. And uh, and let me know what you think of that. Just the idea of that just sounds terrible. And. It was one of those things where I wouldn't even wish it. I, I, I don't think I would be that desperate enough to do another one again. And all for, you know, a 10-second audition that you're going to be sitting in a hot room for, for, you know, six, seven hours. You know, I remember, you know, one that I went on to, the, I think the very first one I went to. It was fun. It was a little chill, you know. So I got to meet a few people, uh, you know, obviously people who weren't snobby, but, it was one of those days where, you know, people got up early in the morning for, at 8 in the morning and they were still there at like 4 p.m. just to be seen. And I left. I was just like, I can't do this. I'm not that desperate. You know, I'd rather just go to more conventional means if I have to because you meet people there who just so full of themselves, a bunch of tryhards, a bunch of people who just just reek of desperation who will do anything in front of these these uh, casting directors to get their face out of. And that's not a knock on reality shows because you see it in movies and TVs too. You know, as someone who's been on the side of both of them, you know, TV and film, uh, people are just as desperate too. You know, it brings me back to a conversation I had with uh, my agent. And um, one of those things where, you know, when I was filling out my, my casting profiles, you have to think about one of the questions they usually ask you is, you know, what are things you're not willing to do and stuff? And this comes back to integrity. You know, at what line do you draw? All right, I'm not going to compromise my morals for, you know, a dollar amount. And so one of the things uh, that Lord Jamar had mentioned 
was that, you know, people out here doing things that they don't really need to or, you know, don't really feel comfortable doing, but they do it anyway because they realize, like, oh, this might be the thing that, you know, launches my career. And, uh, you know, I had to do this to, you know, get to a certain level of success, uh, to, you know, get that money. And, and unfortunately, it's increasingly popular in the entertainment and music industry. Uh, and it's a sad thing uh, that people will compromise their own morals and own dignity. Um, and, and this is how people get taken advantage of. I mean, there's a reason why, uh, you know, there's people out here like Harvey Weinstein, uh, because they know that, you know, people are desperate. And, and that's no way in shape or form endorsing what he's done. But from personal experience and meeting people, it's sad to see the things that people are willing to do and the lengths they will go to achieve this kind of success. You know, as we talk about money, one of the things and philosophies that a lot of people have is that, you know, it's money over happiness and that money can buy you happiness. And that's something up for debate. You know, there's people who think, you know, money can buy you anything that you want. And there's some people who think money can only do so much uh, in this world for your life. And I firmly agree with that. And it got me thinking about uh, an interview I watched uh, not so long ago, Bill Gates. And uh, everybody knows Bill Gates. Everybody wished they could be Bill Gates. You know, he's worth over $100 billion. I mean, this man, when he breathes, he makes money. When he uses the bathroom, he's making money. When he's sleeping, he's making money. And, you know, one of the common questions he always gets in interviews is, you know, how happy are you? You know, what is it like being worth so much money? And very calmly, he says, Nothing. It doesn't change anything. I'm ha- I'm a happy man. And one thing he said is if you strip away the money and the fame, he's a very happy guy. He has a family that he loves. He he has a personal life that he enjoys and he enjoys what he does. And that's very important because a lot of people will do things that they're not comfortable with and don't enjoy just for money. And I live with that philosophy that I would never bend over backwards for a dollar. You know, I would never put myself in a position where I'm I'm throwing my own morals away just the sake of chasing a dollar amount. And I think that's very important because, yes, it's easy for people to say, well, he has all this money. Um, you know, this man, um, you know, of course he's going to say he's happy. But just look at the charity work he does. Just look at some of the things that he's planning on doing. For instance, a lot of people may not realize, but when he passes away, a good 97% of his net worth is going back to the economy or back into Microsoft. And so he's not trying to hoard this money. And yes, it's something he attained. And of course, he's going to enjoy it. But even he said he doesn't go out buying all these supercars and all these uh uh, airplanes and stuff, you know, he just buy things that are necessary for his travel and personal life. And, you know, maybe once in a blue moon, he'll spoil himself. He, he mentioned besides the airplane he bought, uh, for personal travel for work, uh, that the most luxurious thing he's ever bought was, uh, a supercar, a sports car when he was younger, uh, in his twenties, early thirties. 
and that's it. And one thing he said was he realized that money can't change everything. You know, if you're going to be, if you're a miserable person, you're just a miserable person with more money and money can't change your misery, you know, being miserable. It can't change you being angry. It can't change you being depressed. And you have to take that in consideration. You got to, you know, take care of your mental health, your physical health, you know, spend some time going to the gym, spend some time reading a book, go for a walk, uh, take care of yourself because yeah, you can buy that up. You know that Camaro that you always wanted, but what happens when that 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 joy of it runs out? You're gonna go right back to the same state you were, and it actually brings me to another thing. I was watching a video with Graham Stephenson, uh, and people who don't know, he's a a YouTuber, but he's a millionaire real estate uh, seller, and that was one thing he talked about was that, you know, he realized. You know, as he was getting further, further along his career, making tons of money, that money could easily go away because sometimes you never know when the next dollar is coming. And uh, you know, he mentioned he bought a McLaren when he was younger, and you know, after a couple months, maybe a year or two after having it, he realized that it didn't change his happiness. Yeah, it was happy. He was happy when he first got it, and when he finally achieved something that he wanted so desperately. That when he got it, the appeal just kind of was like, ah, I got it now. What what was what does it change? And so, uh, if you have people who are making loads of money, uh, who never have to work a day in their life, uh, talking about this, and I think it's important too. Uh, you know, like I said, I know a lot of people are going to say, well, they have this kind of money. Uh, of course, they're going to say that, you know, they don't have to worry about paying rent and stuff. And I firmly agree with that. That's a true statement. But I also live in the philosophy of I would never compromise my morals and my dignity for a job just because of the money. You know, I would never do anything to put myself in a position where, you know, I may not be comfortable in my safety and my my mental health is, is uh, at risk just for a dollar amount. And, and that's one that is one of the biggest issues I have, especially in a place like LA, where the art of flexing is absolutely everywhere you go. And if you don't live in LA or never been to LA, uh, you may not understand this. But for people who lived here, who's been here, and you know have been around, they'll attest to this a hundred percent. Where you have people working minimum wage jobs, everybody drives Dodge Challengers and Camaros and McLarens and you know all these uh, sports cars, uh, and a lot of them can't afford it. They work five jobs for it, and and uh, you know a lot of people regret having that decision because when you realize that yeah the car is fun, uh, and you know it's something that you always wanted. But when you look at every time you got to pay for your monthly, you're like, oh, no, oh, no, I'm going to have to pick up an extra shift. I'm going to have to find something else to make this money. All it does now is uh, it makes you even more miserable because now you just have an extra expense that you have to worry about. Mm -hmm.